the takers at the annual taking under the Capitol Dome in Denver are attempting to curtail your Second Amendment rights. They are attempting to curtail your wallet. They are attempting to kill off the oil and gas industry in Colorado. They are attempting to find more ways to take your freedom and to take your money because that is what they do. Um, And uh, I I thought it would be a good idea since that's going on right now. There's a number of bills that will be making their way through the Capitol to limit your Second Amendment rights. Uh, One of them that's being considered today, I believe, uh, last I heard, is one that will uh, change the requirements for getting a concealed carry permit. The goal there is to make it more expensive, more difficult, and more time-consuming for Coloradans to practice their Second Amendment right. In addition to that, they are also going to essentially ban concealed carry in the vast majority of public places. Um, On top of that, they are planning to mount an all-out assault, I say with air quotes, pun intended, on the so-called air quote assault rifle. So all of this is going on. They are going deep on this one. Last year, they, they made some pretty big attempts. They made a lot of headway. I think they're encouraged by that. I think they're encouraged by the fact that there was very little pushback. Uh, other than from us loudmouth gun owners, uh, for the most part, they, they feel comfortable in becoming even more and more progressively communist and disarming the American people. So it's crazy. I thought it would be a good idea, since this is all going on, as a backdrop to that, to just remind you of some some important statistics involving guns, gun owners, law-abiding citizens. My friend John Lott is the director of the Crime Prevention Research Center, uh, crime prevention, uh, or CrimeResearch.org, if you go to their website. He's awesome. He's written a book called More Guns, Less Crime. Um, he's actually written several books, but, you know, he's he, he worked in the Trump administration in compiling some of these statistics. I was talking about him the other day, and I referred to him as the 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 Second Amendment supporters statistical guru. Like, that's his mind has this ability to hold these numbers and these statistics and just recall them quickly. And uh, he's devastating in a debate about guns. Joining us now, John Lott. Hey, sir, how are you? Good to have you on my, my friend again. Again. Oh, great to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. I, I honestly don't know how you hold all of these statistics in your head. You write prolifically on a number of topics, not just guns, but um, you you somehow have compiled probably more important statistics involving the Second Amendment, involving the operation and use of a firearm, involving crimes using firearms than than perhaps any other living human being and maybe any other human being in history. How do you do it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I pre- that's nice of you to say. But, uh, you know, I just I deal with numbers all the time. I don't remember names as well, but I remember numbers. <laughs> um, the reason I wanted to talk to you is you and I were having a text conversation the other night, and we were talking about the propensity of law-abiding gun owners to actually commit crimes. So, for instance, one of the pieces of legislation working its way through the Colorado legislature is that it would ban, like, say, going to an aquarium or a zoo or a public park or any place where there could potentially be a protest or a government meeting or uh, any public uh, government buildings or anything like that. They would ban firearms from there. And so I began asking you some questions about, one, how often do law-abiding citizens who own guns commit crimes of any type? And then also, when and where do mass shootings happen? And I find it somewhat perverted that the Colorado legislature thinks that by disarming people, 
they will make them safer by creating more gun-free zones. And you have found that it's the exact opposite, have you not? Right. Well, I mean, there are a couple of points to bring up. One is permit holders tend to be incredibly law-abiding. You see them losing their permits for any type of firearms-related violation at thousands or tens of thousands of one percentage point. Um, indeed, uh, fire concealed carry permit holders are convicted of firearms-related crimes at about one-twelfth the rate that police officers are convicted of firearms-related uh, crimes. And police are very rarely themselves convicted at about one-twentieth the rate of the general population. So, you know, it's it's hard to find any other group in the population that's convicted at such incredibly low rates. These people are very law-abiding. But the second point is, you know, I understand the desire to create these gun-free zones. But take an example like the Covenant school shooting this last year. Um, in Tennessee... Uh, if you violate the uh, gun-free school zone that's there, you can get punished by six years in prison. Well, the murderer in that case, let's say they had lived, they died, they'd be facing uh, six life sentences or six death penalties. Compare what they would face to what you or I would face. If you or I accidentally carried a gun into a gun-free zone or carried it on purpose, and we're facing six years and up to six years in prison, our lives would be completely changed. Mm-hmm. That would be a devastating penalty that we'd be facing. Yeah. But for this person that's already going to be facing six life sentences, you think, you know, well, they can live with that, but you take another six years away from their seventh life, <laughs> that would just be too much. Right. I mean, it's just right. not serious. What you end up having is a situation where You've created a law that whatever your intent, what the actual impact's going to be, it's going to be the law-abiding good citizens are the ones who are going to be facing the real penalty. They're the ones who are going to obey the law. The criminal, it adds no really effective additional penalty on for them. And so all you've done is assure the murderer that they'll be the only one with a gun there because the law-abiding citizens would never think of carrying a gun there because the penalty's so large. Mm. And you see this time after time. I mean, uh, you know, you don't need to look at just the fact that 94% of these mass public shootings occur in places where guns are banned, or you don't need to worry about the logic per se of what I was just going through. Just look at the statements for these mass murders. And the media just refuses. Just It just drives me nuts. I have to read the diaries and manifestos for these killers. But I just don't understand why the news media, even though they claim that they're covering the, the manifestos and diaries, refuses to cover these explicit statements from these murders. Take, again, the Covenant school shooter last year. The Biden administration took the diary and has yet to release it, but uh, except for a few pages have leaked um, uh, out from there. But the national police chief last year, when the attack occurred, held a press conference the very day of the attack where he said that he had read the diary and that the murderer there had actually had another primary target that they were going to go after, but had decided not to. It was a mall, the Greenfield Mall there. 
had decided not to do that because people were allowed to have guns at that place, and that would make it too risky to attack. So they decided to go after the school where they didn't believe anybody would be there to be able to go and stop them. You know, you take the Buffalo mass murder the year before. Uh, the person there has a long discussion in his manifesto about why he picked the target that he did. Right up there at the top, he wanted to go to a place where he didn't think his victims would be able to have guns to go and protect themselves. You know, you read the diaries manifestos, time after time you see people who want to commit suicide, but they want to get media attention. And they know the more people they kill, the more media attention that they're going to get. And they may be crazy, but they're not stupid. They know that if they go to a place where their victims are disarmed and they're the only ones with a gun there, they're going to be able to go and kill a lot more people and get a lot more media attention. I can understand why the media just refuses, just absolutely refuses to cover the fact that these guys, their goal is to get media coverage. Right. But, you know, I want somebody to give me a benign explanation for why the media just refuses to go and cover why these guys pick the targets that they do. Right. And, well, I, you know, I think ahead. you and I both know I think you and I both know that the reason is because the media is all in on the agenda to get rid of the guns. And so they, they if they if they if they uncover, I'll say with air quotes, that there's something else else going on inside the minds of a mass shooter that has zero to do with guns and everything to do with how we are raising families uh, or or destroying families, how we're scrambling young kids' minds in a number of different ways, that, that would show that we would actually need to do some real work on mental health in this country as opposed to just banning an inanimate object. I want to I go back to something you brought up at the beginning, though. And we're talking with John Lott. Uh, I, the argument that you made <clears throat> that, it, it, that that might be the best argument I've heard before, John, when when you say essentially by looking at the penalty and its outcome on the on the perpetrator of any given crime, if we come to the conclusion that the penalty is harsher on those who are otherwise law abiding than on the perpetrators who would take those law abiding citizens away. We've arrived at a place where the, the bill itself, the only purpose, is the punishment of innocent people. It's the creation of criminals. And that is is a very terrifying place to be from a jurisprudence standpoint. But also it strikes me as abundantly unconstitutional if challenged in court. Well, I mean, you can have stupid laws and still be constitutional. But, uh, you know, it's, I think people don't always go through and think through what might be kind of the unintended consequences of the laws that they have there. And, you know, uh, economists will go and talk about this, you know, the notion of marginal deterrence. And here you're setting up penalties. You know, you take a gun into a gun-free zone. Uh, and you're not trying to commit a crime, so this is really the only penalty that you're going to face. That's a major penalty. But if somebody is going to go and kill people, mm-hmm. you know, you have to realize that adding another two or three or six years, or whatever it is you're going to be adding in these different places, it doesn't represent a real penalty. 
for, yeah. for those individuals, and it's not going to deter them. And I think anybody knows that if somebody's facing six life sentences, you could add another 20 years onto it. It's not going to make any difference to the individual because they're not going to get out of prison as it is. Do you agree with me, John Lott, that there will be blood on the hands of the legislators that pass a bill that disarms people if there is another mass shooting in one of these areas? Because um, you've made people less safe simply because of the very fact that what are you going to do? Are you going to make are you going to make it double illegal? to murder people <laughs> are you going to make it triple illegal like you said these guys usually have suicide in mind so ultimately they're not really concerned about the consequences um so so well, it's hard so, to punish them if yeah. they're planning it they, they either commit suicide themselves or they have what's called police assisted suicide where they put the police in a position where they have to kill the person because they're pointing a gun at the police officer Right. Uh, you know, so, you know, this is, you have to, you can't think of just simply punishing them afterwards. You have to think about how do you take away their gain? And the gain that they get in their warped mind is media coverage. Right. And I'm, I mean, you, you've got to read these diaries and manifestos. Yeah. Time after time, they'll say things like, if I can only kill more people than such and such did, I can get even more media attention. Right. You know, take somebody like the Sandy Hook killer. He did what, according to police, was essentially a doctoral dissertation where he had studied mass public shootings over a period of 40 years. And according to police reports, he had graphed out the relationship between the number of people killed in attacks and the amount of media coverage. One police report noted that he actually, his goal was to go and kill more people than the Norway killer had killed in 2011, which is deadlier than any mass public shooting that we have had ever here in the United States, because he wanted to get even more media attention than the Norway killer had gotten. And so, you know, I, I'm not going to, and I could go on and give you other examples about that. Um, you know, so many people would go and write things like, they want to kill more people than the Columbine killers for a while was something that you very frequently see in, in diaries and manifestos. And, you know, the bottom line is you got to ask yourself, you know, how, how, how do you stop these guys? And the way you do that is by making sure they don't get the media attention. But you don't need to go and rewrite the First Amendment or abolish the First Amendment. What you can do is, if you can make it clear to them that somebody will be there quickly to stop them before they can kill many people, you will take away their goal yeah. there. And, you know, I disagree with a lot of conservatives, which will go and say, we want to hire one police officer in uniform uh, to be able to go and guard schools and what have you. That's just the first time. The problem that you have there is, in the way I often phrase it to people, would you put air marshals in uniform on planes. Right. As far as I know, nobody would do that because it would be crazy. If you put the guy in uniform, you're telling the terrorists who they have to worry about and take out on the plane there. You want the person to blend in so he, nobody knows who he is. Yeah. Well, the same thing applies to a police officer. If you're going to have a police officer in a school, please don't put them in uniform. Please make them like the gym teacher or some other staff position 
so that they're not readily identifiable. So nobody knows except for yeah. maybe the principal there who who has the gun. And yeah. rather than having a sign in front of the school that said the school is a gun-free zone, put a sign that says, you know, select teachers and staff at this school are armed with concealed handguns will use them to protect the students and others here. If you have somebody in uniform, you give the attackers real tactical advantages. They can either yeah. wait for the person to leave if you have multiple buildings at a place, or they can move on to another target themselves. Yeah. Or if they decide that they're going to take out that one officer, you know, they'll take him out and then have free reign because they'll know nobody else there uh, is going to be armed and going to be able to go and stop them. Yeah. My own belief is that the best thing is to do is to arm teachers and staff right. at, a, at a place like that. Right, we have 20 states in the country that allow teachers and staff to be able to go and carry. Um, literally, you know, over like 10,000 schools uh, in the United States, some of them for many years. Utah, uh, for example, which is right next to you, has uh, any teacher uh, or staff member who has a concealed carry permit allowed to carry. Uh, and yet, with many years of experience, you know, a, over a decade in many of these places, there's not all the, all the attacks in which anybody's been killed or wounded, anything from, you know, uh, one wounding all the way up to a mass public shooting, all those have occurred in schools where teachers and staff are not allowed to carry. Yeah. There's not been one single attack where anybody's been wounded or killed in any of the schools that allow teachers and staff to carry. I, and I, I think part of it is these guys avoid places where they know uh, people might be there to stop them. It surely takes away their goal yeah. in terms of the publicity that they're going to get. Yeah. And so now, you know, you're trying to create all these gun-free zones in Colorado. They're trying to ban guns at universities. What, what problems have occurred at right. universities? We've had well over a decade that all the universities, public universities it, in Colorado, have allowed people to be able to carry. What problems have occurred? Right. None. Yeah. Well, it, so it, why, again, why are they trying to ban it there? It, it's proximity to other problems, and they're just afraid of the inanimate object. John Lott, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on today. CrimeResearch.org is his website um, and his organization, Crime Prevention Research Center. You're going to want to take a look at what they've got up there. I, uh, I will have you on again, my friend, soon. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. All right, it starts a big conversation. We'll get into it next. Text the show directly, 57739-630-K-House, Denver Stock Station.